So good morning, everyone. It's all great to see you all here this morning. Um, my name is Alex. I'm the pastoral intern who has been here for the summer. And as Jeff said earlier in the service, this is my last Sunday here for this summer. So I want to thank you all for the support that you have given me over the past two summers. It's been such a blessing for me to be here. Um, and it's just, I'm glad I've had this opportunity. So I want to start my message this morning with a question and a quick show of hands. So put your hand up if you know what ghosting is. If you know what it means to ghost somebody. Okay, that's good. That's actually, that's most of you. That's good. So for those of you who don't know, whether you're here or online, ghosting means you cut off all contact with someone. You don't answer their phone calls or their messages, and you don't tell them that you're doing it. One day you just disappear from their life. It's like you've become a ghost. So I've never ghosted anybody, but I've had the displeasure of being ghosted a few times in my life. And so when I've been ghosted by an acquaintance or a new friend, it's been confusing because I don't know why they're ghosting me. Uh, and it's disappointing because a relationship that could have continued on further has been cut short. Uh, but ultimately, you know, it's a momentary disappointment. It's not that big of a deal to me. And I continue on with my life like, a, like as if not much has changed. But once I was ghosted by someone that I thought was a close friend, and that hurt a lot more. I thought quite highly of this person, and I valued our relationship a lot, but apparently this person thought otherwise. They thought that I was someone who shouldn't be associated with. And so being ghosted by this person hurt a lot more than being ghosted by an acquaintance, specifically because I considered this person a close friend. This summer we've been doing a series on the Lament Psalms, and the Lament Psalms talk a lot about enemies. The writers of the Psalms will talk about being surrounded by enemies or enemies crushing their bones or that sort of thing. And I don't know about you, but when I read that kind of language, I tend to picture in my mind enemy armies or enemy generals. Many of the Psalms are attributed to David, and those are the kinds of enemies that David would have faced in his life. But often in our lives, it's not the enemies outside of our walls that hurt us the most. It's the people inside our walls, the people we thought were our friends. And so today I want to take a look at Psalm 55, which is about being betrayed by a friend. Before we dive into the psalm itself, I want to take a quick look at the header. We've talked in this sermon series before about the importance of the headers in the psalms. So often when you read your Bible, the headers have been put there by the the translators of whatever version of the Bible that you are reading. They're not original to the text. But in the case of the Psalms, the headers are original to the text. Um, they're included in the original manuscripts, and actually in Jewish Bibles, they're part of the verses. They have verse numbers. And so these headers matter because they tell us about the Psalm that we're about to read. And so the header for Psalm 55 is this. For the director of music with stringed instruments, a maskeel of David. And so from past weeks, you may remember that a maskeel is an instructional psalm. It's meant to teach the reader something about God or about their relationship with God. And that's important when we get to the end of this psalm, because this psalm uses a lot of I and me language, but it is actually meant to teach you something. And so at the end of the psalm, David turns towards the reader and says, okay, this is what you should do. But of course, I'm getting ahead of myself. And if we're going to properly understand this psalm, we need to start at the beginning. And so this is how the psalm begins. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught 
because of what my enemy is saying, because of the threats of the wicked. For they bring down suffering upon me and assail me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and the storm. So if we're familiar with the Lament Psalms, and for those of you who have been here all summer, I hope you're familiar with the Lament Psalms because this is our eighth week of doing them. But (laughs) if you're familiar with the Lament Psalms, this probably sounds pretty familiar to you. This is a pretty standard opening for a Lament Psalm. David cries out to God. He asks for God to hear his plea. He describes the way that he feels. He says he wants to be anywhere but where he is right now. And he describes enemies, but in some pretty... Uh, generic, general terms. He doesn't give much detail about what he's facing. And so if this were any other lament psalm, we might assume that the enemies in the psalm are an enemy army or enemy generals. Right? As I said, those are the kinds of enemies that David most often faced in his life. And if this were any other lament psalm, we might struggle to see how to apply it to our own lives because most of us are not commanding troops or fighting in wars. There's a degree of separation that you have to bridge. But After this point, this psalm takes a turn that we might not expect, and it brings us a lot closer to home for many of us. Lord, confuse the wicked, confound their words, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they prowl around on its walls. Malice and abuse are within it. Destructive forces are at work in the city. Threats and lies never leave its streets. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it's you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers. Rather than being an external threat like an enemy army, the enemies that David is contending with are within the walls of the city. And in fact, the enemy that David is contending with is someone who used to be his friend. David and the city would have been prepared for enemy armies, right? That's what the wall of the city is for. They would have had a garrison of soldiers. They could defend from threats from the outside. But against threats within the walls, they would have been much less prepared and much more vulnerable. And so I'm sure you can see how this applies much more closely to our own lives. When there are people in our lives that we expect to have to, you know, oppose or to come into conflict with, we can brace for it, we can prepare for it, and we can limit the amount that they will hurt us. But when we're betrayed by the people that are close to us, the people that we trust, the people that we don't put up walls around, when we're betrayed by those people, they can hit us where we're vulnerable, and it hurts so much more. And another thing, too, that makes this hurt so much more for David is the fact that he had a relationship with this person. It's not just the vulnerability, but it is the fact that this person was a friend Right, so in verse 12, David says, If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. And the implication being that because it is a friend, he cannot endure it. When we come into conflict with people that we expect to be opposed to us, hopefully we don't lose anything in that relationship because we didn't have anything, any connection with them to begin with. But when we're hurt by the people that we trust and we love, we're also losing a relationship that is important to us. Often we don't realize how deeply this kind of loss hurts us. In our culture today, we're not very good at naming or expressing our emotions, particularly negative emotions. 
We live in a culture that's very emotionally closed off, and so we never learn how to identify the ways that we feel. When I was ghosted by my close friend, I didn't realize until long after the fact that in addition to the hurt that I was feeling, I was also working through feelings of grief. We often associate grief with the death of people that we love, and that's true, we do grieve when that happens, but we can experience feelings of grief whenever we lose something important to us. And so for me at the time, I was grieving the loss of my relationship with this person. A person who was very important to me was no longer going to be part of my life. But because we're not in touch with our emotions in our culture, um, I didn't realize what I was feeling until long after I was done working through those feelings. And so if we can't identify our emotions, working through them is much more difficult. And so that's why we need the lament psalms today. They give words to the feelings that we all feel, but none of us have the words to express. Another thing that makes this psalm unique from other lament psalms is its focus on words. So in many lament psalms, the writer describes their troubles as being encircled by enemies or their bones being crushed. And these are the metaphors of like physical conflict because the image in mind is war. But Psalm 55 instead focuses on what people say. So in verse 3, David talks about the words of the enemy and the threats of the wicked. In verse 9, David asks God to confuse the words of his enemies. And then in verse 12, David talks about being insulted by the friend who has hurt him. And then later in the psalm, as we'll see, David compares his friend's words to swords. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's a cute rhyme, but it's also totally wrong and backwards. Bones can be set, and in weeks or months they're healed. But when our hearts are wounded by hurtful words, those wounds can last years sometimes even a lifetime. And this is especially true when the words come from people we thought we could trust, people that we were vulnerable with, as is the case with David in Psalm 55. Uh, I have a friend who, when her first boyfriend broke up with her, told her that she was ugly. And of course, that wasn't a true statement. It was something that was specifically said to hurt her. And logically, she knew that. She knew she shouldn't trust those words But she confided in me that every time she looked in the mirror, she heard those words echo in her head. And even though it had been years since she had dated that guy, those words stuck with her. Now, credit to my friend, she at least recognized where the hurt came from. When she heard those words echo in her head, she knew that was an old wound. Often we don't even know what wounds we have on our hearts. The words that have hurt us have become part of the stories that we tell about ourselves. And we no longer recognize that those words come from old wounds. There's a verse that Rob quotes frequently, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So the verse begins saying that we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus. You are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus. And so if the story that you tell about yourself doesn't begin with you being one of God's masterpieces made in his image, then the story you tell about yourself is not true. If you don't see yourself as God's handiwork, you're probably carrying around old wounds on your heart. And so I want to encourage you today to change the way that you see yourself. I want you to see yourself as God's masterpiece made in his image. Right? God values you so much that he was willing to come into the world as Jesus and die for your sake. 
And so if you see yourself as stupid or ugly or incompetent, those are words that are coming from old wounds. Now, I know that me saying that isn't going to immediately fix your self-image problems, but I want you to at least begin to realize that those are not the truth and begin on the journey of healing. So now that he's done describing a situation, David briefly expresses his frustrations. Let death take my enemy by surprise. Let them go down alive to the realm of the dead, for evil finds lodging among them. And so this may seem a little bit extreme. David is asking the earth to swallow up his enemies and for his enemies to be banished to the shadow realm. And this might seem kind of extreme, uh, but one thing that we have talked about in previous weeks is that expressions of anger in the Psalms are often just that. They're expressions of anger. They're a person venting their emotions out on the page. They're describing the way that they feel. And so just because David is praying it doesn't mean that God is doing it. And in fact, often it's healthy for us to vent our anger to God so it doesn't bubble over into other parts of our lives. And so with the situation and its frustrations laid out on the table, David turns to God. As for me, I call on God, and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. He rescues me unharmed from the battle waged against me, even though many oppose me. God, who is enthroned from old, who does not change, he will hear them and humble them because they have no fear of God. My companion attacks his friends, he violates his covenant. His talk is as smooth as butter, yet war is in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil, yet they are drawn swords. So I think it's quite remarkable that despite this description of his friend as talking behind his back with smooth words, David confidently turns to God in this situation. Right, and so we, we know from verse 14 that the friend who betrayed David wasn't just a friend, but a fellow worshiper of God. They would go to the temple together. And so we might expect this betrayal to shake his faith in God. Many people, when they're hurt by believers or by the church, they choose to walk away from the church or even walk away from God. And this, of course, doesn't surprise me because the way that we act reflects what we believe. And so when Christians are angry or spiteful, People believe that God is angry and spiteful. And when people are hurt by Christians, they often feel like they've been hurt by God. And so if you are here this morning or if you're watching online, if you've been hurt by the church or by Christians in the past, this may be part of your story. Maybe you have walked away from the church or walked away from God. And maybe you're still in that place. And if that's part of your personal history, I want to say that I am sorry I'm sorry that you have been hurt that way. As the Christian community, we need to own up to the fact that some of the things that Christians have said and done have hurt people. And even if no one in this congregation is personally responsible, we're still part of a community that has hurt others sometimes. And so if if you're listening today and you have been hurt by Christians, I want to say that I totally get it, and I'm sorry for the way that you have been hurt. If that is part of your story, I want to encourage you not to let the failings of other people get between you and God. In this psalm, David recognizes that the words of his friend don't reflect God's character. It's an unfortunate reality that God's followers are not as perfect as God is. We're all broken people here in the church. The theologian Augustine, who lived many years ago, like centuries ago, uh, compared the church to a hospital. Right, The hospital is a place of healing, but it's filled with sick people. 
Right? But the fact that there are sick people in the hospital does not mean that the doctor is not a good doctor. To the contrary, because the doctor is a skilled healer, the sick people come to the hospital. And so while Christians are perfect and not always good, we come to church because God is perfect and always good. And so David expresses in this psalm just that, that God is good and faithful to his promises. God rescues those who call out to him. And so even though David has been betrayed by a fellow worshiper whose words are like swords and who has war in his heart, David puts his trust in the promises of God. Now, like I said at the beginning of this psalm, this is a masculine, or like I said at the beginning of the sermon, this psalm is a masculine. It's meant to teach you something. And so at this point, David turns to the reader and addresses them directly. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. But you, God, will bring down the wicked into the pit of decay. The bloodthirsty and deceitful will not live out half their days. But as for me, I trust in you. And so this is the message of this psalm. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. And this is applicable to a lot more than being betrayed by a friend. Anytime that you are feeling hurt or angry or scared or stressed, you can cast your cares on God and he will not let the righteous be shaken. And so when we're betrayed by a friend or we're hurt by someone close to us, we can bring those hurts, feelings of hurt and betrayal to God. And when that hurt or that betrayal gives us wounds on our heart, we can find healing in the fact that we are God's handiwork made in his image. And when that hurt or that betrayal comes at the, front, at the hands of a fellow Christian, we can trust that God is good and faithful to his promises, even when humans are not. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Thank you that you are enthroned of old and do not change. And so no matter how much changes around us, no matter how much life feels like a whirlwind, thank you that we can trust in your promises forever. Lord, we come before you today as people who are hurt and angry and scared and stressed. We're coming from a variety of different lives and circumstances, and some of us don't know if we can make it through what we're going through. And so, Lord, as we cast our cares upon you, we ask you to sustain us and keep us safe. Do not let us be shaken. Lord, for those of us with wounds on our hearts, we ask for your healing. Heal our hearts and help us see ourselves the way that you see us as your masterpieces. Rewrite the stories we tell about ourselves into stories of joy and gladness. And Lord, for the way that we have hurt and wounded others, we're sorry. Help us to make amends with those that we have hurt and to do better in the future. Lord, this church is a hospital and we are sick and we, you are the healer, Lord. We ask you to heal us and make us better. Thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness, your love and your mercy. Thank you for loving us so much that you were willing to die for us. Help us to feel that love in our lives and place our trust in you. And so we pray all of these things in the name of the Son, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.